You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. are with us this morning. We're just really blessed that you've joined us uh, to worship the Lord together and you just make yourself at home. I know that the Lord uh, knows how to speak to your heart, even in uh, unfamiliar surroundings. And uh, he loves you, and he has, uh, he has something for you this morning. So uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, are the kids going to do children's ministry today or not? Oh, they are. Okay. So um, the kids can go now, and they're going to be ministering at the nursing home next door. So let's pray for them as they go. Heavenly Father, I thank you uh, for these children, Lord. Thank you for um, your uh, call upon their life, Lord, um, and that you're training them right now, Lord Jesus, to be people that... Uh, reach out and touch people with the love of Christ. Um, I pray for everybody that's in the nursing home today, Lord, that they would be blessed. And I pray, Lord, for during this season, uh, Lord, that you would just be very close to them. Um, I know that there are some there, Lord, who are very lonely and, uh, and uh, alone, and probably a lot of them just don't even know why they're still alive. I just pray, Lord, that this morning there would be an infusion of hope, Lord, from our kids and for the uh, workers that are going with them, Lord. Um, just to remind them of the love of God and what it means to uh, love you like a little child. Um, And I pray for those that are uh, serving our kids today, Lord, that you would bless them, uh, return to them, Lord Jesus, a blessing, um, even as they have been pouring out, that you would pour into their lives even more. And uh, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue or finish, actually finish this series Um, Today, this has been a a series um, that is really kind of uh, centered on the awe and wonder uh, of of knowing the Lord and walking with the Lord. And uh, I began the series by asking everybody if they were sensing or feeling a sense of awe and wonder. And uh, not very many of us were able to honestly say that we were. Um, For a lot of different reasons, uh, Christmas is... uh, Uh, is many things, um, but along with the awe and wonder is also a lot of activity and complication and stress and and all of that. And uh, I just think God wants to remind us of the awe and the wonder and the marvel of Jesus's birth. Um, You know, when he came, there's probably never been a display of angelic and supernatural um, things. announcement like there was for Jesus's birth Uh, and it's really good uh, for us to to remember that and to cultivate that in our lives and not just take it for granted and not just go through the motions but to really just pause and just let the awe and wonder of it like it was when you were a, a kid you know because Christmas Day I don't know about this for you but like Christmas Day coming up Wednesday um can be really anticlimactic you know it's like if you're driving around town, you're seeing all these Christmas trees out on the curb. You know, it's like they can't wait to get it out of the house. And, you know, and it's like all of this build up to it. And then it actually comes. And um, a couple of years ago, I was riding when we lived in uh, Lindale. I was riding my bike on Christmas Day early, not early, but Christmas morning, probably mid morning. And I rode by this house and they had boxes like up to the rafters on the outside. Boxes that had been Christmas presents, wrapping, and all of that. That, and in the front yard were two little boys fighting. <laughs> it was like they gotten all of this stuff for Christmas, and it just really, you know, 
and, and I was just thinking Christmas is over, you know, that's, that's like the end of Christmas. Um, when I was little, I, uh, in, in 1966, I, I've told this story before, but um, uh, in about uh, maybe August or September of that year, um, Hasbro, I think it was Hasbro, came out with an advertisement for a new toy that they had. Uh, it was G.I. Joe. And they had this little song, they went, G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe, fighting man from head to toe, and on the sea and the air. So I just, man, I was just like, that's, that's what I want for Christmas. I got to have a G.I. Joe. And so I told my parents that, this will date me, but um, I grew up in a family of six kids. Uh, we, got, we could spend $10 a piece. So whatever you could get for 10 bucks. And we, t we wore out the Sears and uh, Montgomery Ward catalogs, um, and, uh, and that's what I wanted. I was just thinking, man, when I got that G.I. Joe, because they showed him, you know, like in the advertisement, and he's, he's fighting, he's holding his gun, he's marching, you know, he's digging foxholes and all of this stuff, and it's just, man, I, when I get my G.I. Joe, man, things are going to be different. I mean, you know, I was playing Army all the time anyway, but I, as I was playing Army, I was just thinking, this is fun, but this is nothing compared to what it's going to be like when I get my G.I. Joe. And so Christmas morning came, package under the tree, and, uh, and I knew what it was, man. I unwrapped it, and there he was, you know. It's G.I. Joe. He had this kind of scar on his face. You know, you know why they did that? Because that was a doll, but they don't want any boys to know that that's a doll. So they put like a scar on his face. It's like, it's a soldier, man. It's not a, a doll. But he was like, he was, he was um, uh, jointed. And in the box, you know, his hands were kind of like that. And his neck was kind of crooked. And it was just like, you know, and the first thing that you do is that you, you know, try to pose him. And I was posing him. And he had his, one hand was like this. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? One hand was like, like this. And then one hand was like this. And you could put the gun just right in the, uh, and like this. Man, he was not like sitting there shooting like this or digging any foxholes. So anyway, I went outside and started playing with my G.I. Joe. And uh, I realized that he wasn't going to do anything. It, that all, if there was anything that was going to happen, it had to come from me. And it was complicated just to get the thing to do what I wanted it to you know, to do. And by the middle of the morning, man, G.I. Joe was sitting on the sidelines posed, and I was playing Army again, you know? It was so kind of disappointing to me that I was expecting something to happen that just ended up being more complicated. I realized that all the fun was on the inside of me. It wasn't in that doll, you know? And that's how Christmas is for a lot of people, but that's how life is for a lot of people. They're expecting when this happens, then I will be happy. When I get this job, or when I get this car, or when I get this relationship, and they're, they're looking forward to something that has all the promise of changing their life, but if they're not changed, then their life is not going to change. It'll just be one more complication. It'll just be one more hindrance and more, one more weight in their life. So I want to talk a little bit about Christmas, and especially about the aspect of it that we have been talking about, not just during our services, but also in, our, in the, the uh, memorial services that we've been having uh, over the last you know, two or three months. Um, 
that God wants us to make this stuff permanent. He doesn't want us to, to just forget what it's like. There, and the scripture passage that I want to turn your attention to this morning is, um, you're going to probably have to advance me there. Next slide. Um, all right, we'll stay on that one then. If you can get it. Um, is in Matthew chapter 13, verses uh, 54 through 56. So when you say Matthew 15, you know that this is well into the gospel, okay? This is well into Jesus' ministry. He's been around, you know, for a while. He's been ministering. Um, he's had some success, and he's been starting to, as Jesus' ministry progressed, he had more and more resistance is what he had. The, the common people apparently were just really following him, and they were really drawn to him, and the buzz was up, and he was being, being known, but the resistance from the religious leaders and those people were, were, comes, comes against him stronger and stronger and stronger until um, he is uh, crucified. So we're about in the middle of the Gospel of Matthew. And this is an account that Jesus, Jesus has just taught on, um, he has just taught them on the um, uh, being the well that, that's springing up to eternal life. Come unto me all who thirst and are, and, are, um, and are heavy laden and I will give them rest. I will make a fountain springing up to eternal life. These things come from the book of Ezekiel. You remember the story of the, um, uh, of the river that flows forth from the uh, temple so when the Jews heard him talking about living water and water like that, they knew that that was messianic, and they knew that they, what he was talking about was the, uh, the fulfillment of those prophecies. And so it started some controversy with him. It says, coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished. And they say, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where did this man get these things? And then in John chapter 7, uh, verses 40 to 42, it says, When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. And others said, This is the Christ. But some said, the Christ is the Christ to come from Galilee has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem the village where David was you get you get this they haven't heard the Christmas story these people haven't heard the Christmas story they're like looking at Jesus and they're looking at him totally in the natural and they've forgotten all about the wise men and they've forgotten all about the angels and they've forgotten about the star they've They've forgotten the awe and wonder of who this guy is. How do we disconnect and just start looking at things in the natural instead of seeing the Spirit and seeing experiencing the fullness of what God has for us to do and, and what He's called us to do and what He's done in our midst? And we can easily just come to that place where Christmas is anticlimactic. You know, maybe, maybe you've been through the cycle enough times to where you get your hopes up and, you get your, and you're excited and then it fi you find out that there's just a lot of drudgery. There's just a lot of mundane things and it's not, it's not always just like as blow your socks off exciting and we lose that sense. Christmas comes at the end of a year, but it also is the, is the beginning of a year. It's just such a perfect time for us to remember 
But it's not an end in itself. It's the beginning of something brand new. So I wanted to share. Can I, can I get another slide? <clears throat> here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, well, that's a different one. <laughs> here we go. Somebody's praying. Okay, so then coming to his hometown, they taught in, and, and they said, uh, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? And it, the Bible actually says that Jesus was not able to do very many miracles in his hometown. It's because of this attitude. It's because of this attitude that just says, you know, things are as they always are. You know, it just seems so worldly wise to act that way. It just seems so um, practical and level-headed to just say, I'm not expecting anything like that. I'm not, you know, it's just, you know, life is not like that or something like that. Baloney, man. Baloney. When heaven invades earth, big things are going to happen. You are the people of God. You are not just normal people. You are not just, you know, walking around and living and, you know, breathing and all of that you are you are god ordained children of the light it was this attitude that caused them to not be able to walk in the fullness and not be able to hear jesus in his presence here this is the messiah and these are the words of the lord you know i don't know about your bible but my bible is a is a red letter bible and um, i'm not saying that that's a better bible but here's my take on it my take on it is that those the the guys on the road to Emmaus Jesus was talking to them and then when Jesus appeared like he 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 revealed himself and then he disappeared and they were just like why didn't we know it didn't his words burn within us and these people are sitting in the presence of Jesus and they're 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 listening to his teaching and they're blown away by his teaching and yet they're not thinking that this is not just a homeboy this is not just a nobody. They're struggling with the fact that was he supposed to be born here? Or was he supposed to be born there? He was born in Bethlehem and they had angels. How does that get forgotten? Anyway, how do we, how do we avoid that? How do we avoid slipping back into a, a life that is not a life of expectancy? A life that is just in the natural. And we're not walking in the fullness of what God has. I mean, God ordained it to be that way. I don't know how it could have been anywhere any other way. I mean, this is heaven coming to earth. Surely there's going to be some supernatural effect from heaven. Some, something that comes with him when he comes, you know? That, that the heavenly host knew exactly what was going on. And how could they keep silent? And God was just like... I'll let you do something, you know? You go announce it, you know? Announce it to the, to the shepherds. The first thing that we do to make sure that t Christmas is not anticlimactic or the year ahead is, not, is, is, is uh, based on the fact that God has been visiting with us and, and ministering to us and speaking to our lives and that we should have a sense of expectancy. How do we parlay what we have experienced into something that is permanent and that doesn't pass away? And the first thing that I have here is uh, gaze 
upon the wonder and allow yourself to be blown away. And I'd, I'd use uh, Exodus chapter 1, I mean uh, chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 5. Anybody know what that is? That's very close to the beginning of Exodus. Um, and it's, it's all about Moses has kind of been through a process. Uh, Moses was saved. It just shows you what terrible oppression it was in Egypt, that Pharaoh could say, we're going to kill all the male children. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the grief and the helplessness and the, of that type of uh, existence? To live where you have a, a newborn baby boy and, and the, the king has said he has to be put to death. And Moses escaped that because the, Pharaoh's daughter apparently had more of a heart than Pharaoh did. When she saw this baby, she took him into her house and she raised him. And so uh, Moses goes from uh, being uh, just part of the helpless you know, powerless class to be in a part of the household where the seat of power was. And he grew up there, but he had an identity that was Jewish, and he knew where he had come from. Um, one day he saw, you know, a Jew uh, being, uh, um, being abused uh, by an Egyptian, and he took it in his own power to try to stop that from happening. And what he ended up doing is killing the guy and becoming a, 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 a felon, becoming a, um, a fugitive uh, from the law. And so he's on the other side of the wilderness. He's, he's on the back side of the wilderness. And he's watching these sheep. And in chapter 3 it says that he was keeping uh, the, the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his uh, flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now Horeb, the, another word for Horeb is Sinai. They're, that's the same mountain, the mountain of God. And he comes to the mountain of God where he's, uh, he's just doing his job, man. I mean, he's just, you know, taking care of the sheep. And it said, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, and yet it was not consumed. And now listen to what Moses said. Because what he's seeing is an amazing sight. But he's fixing to do something that's going to change the course of his life forever. Moses said... I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And then the Bible says, and when the, Lord, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And, and then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. This is the first encounter that Moses had with God. And this is, this is going to let us see the, the rest of his life and the other encounters he has with God. How could, how could Israel sit in the valley and watch what was going on in the mountain and say, Moses, you go talk to him, and Moses, go? Because Moses had had this experience, and God had warned him at that time, you got to be careful in my presence. <laughs> this could be dangerous, you know? And that's, he's setting the standard for it right there but you know what has happened if you have your bibles now if you just look back to the previous couple of verses to this chapter you'll see how this is a part of the story that saves this is a part this is this is another chapter that began in the garden of eden where god said i'm going to deliver people i am going he is going to crush this snake's head and the snake is going to bruise his heel and and moses to his credit, did not go on with his life in the, in the mundane and the, and the drudgery of it, but he turned aside 
And the Bible says, when God saw that he turned aside, he called to him from the bush. How do we go through a season like this and not just have like a, a hangover when it's done, but it's a springboard into life, into a new life? Part of it is being willing to turn aside. Part of it is being willing to, to, to raise your expectations, not lower your expectations. Part of it is being able to say, God can do anything, and I want to be a part of it. The previous chapter, it says the children of Israel, their bondage had become so bad that they were crying out. They were moaning. They were crying out to God. <clears throat> and God said, their cry has come before me, and I'm going to do something. <clears throat> God was going to do something big. Moses had no idea. And as I said the other day, Moses, all Moses had to go on was God. He said, who do I say? He's like, he's totally ignorant of who he's who he's dealing with here he says who do i say is sending i set my people free who, who am i going to tell pharaoh sent me you know by what authority am i saying this and god said you just tell him i am said and that pharaoh's not impressed with that i am said oh he was he's going to be he's going to find out and moses is going to find out to the point that moses when he comes to the mountain and he receives the um uh, the law uh, the defining law of the nation of Israel, what pleases God, what displeases God, who Israel is and what God desires them to be, Moses is going to cry out to God and he's going to say, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Because I'm going to need it. If I'm going to deal with these people, I'm going to need a bigger picture of who you are. I need more details. I am what? I need more details. I need more of, a, of a, something burned upon my conscience that changes me from a coward and a stutterer to a mighty man of God. The people were crying out. Right now, there are things going on all around us that we are not aware of. That's part of God's ongoing story that saves Right now, we're going about our lives. If we're not careful, we're caught up in the cares of this world that chokes out the joy of the Lord, that chokes out the vision and the expectancy of more. I was just reminded, I'm, I've been reminded several times lately of how, how near it, we are to it. Just simply by doing what we've talked about so many times of doing, when you go to a restaurant and you get your food and waitress comes up and says my name is mindy and i'll be waiting on you today just to say mindy we're going to say the blessing in a minute is there any pray for you for and it's just amazing over and over again i'm amazed at how close we are to it and she'll be yeah like i'm struggling in school or yeah like my mom passed away last year and um and this is the first christmas that i've been without her you know I'm going through a divorce and my husband has the kids. You don't know. All I'm saying is there is a cry going up to God all around us and all he wants is for us to be willing to turn aside from our lives and get involved in what he's doing. Moses was about to become a central figure in the story that saves 
God's sovereign plan to redeem mankind that began in the garden. And what was he doing? He was just shepherding sheep until then. And then it was never that again. It was never that simple or inconsequential again. I mean, if we're going to if we're going to suffer, at least let's make it count. Amen. If we're going to grieve, at least let's make it count. Because there are a lot of grieving people out there that need a broken person to help them begin to heal. Someone who has had their hopes dashed and their life turned upside down and can say, God has a way through this. If we're going to suffer, at least let's make it count. Let's don't dust ourselves off and, you know, and go on about our business. Let's let God use the brokenness in our lives to heal the brokenness in somebody else's life. And I know if you're going through that right now, that's not comforting. Sometimes the worst thing that you can say to somebody when they're completely devastated is to say, God is going to use this. You know what? I don't give a flip if God uses this. I'm hurting right now. But when that has healed, you, sometimes you don't even have to say anything. All, you have, all they have to do is say, um, this is Joe, you know, his, um, his son passed away. Or this is, this is um, you know, Robert, and, uh, you know, he's been through uh, bankruptcy, you know? That's all it takes sometimes is for somebody that's broken to be with somebody that's broken and put back together again to say there's hope. There's hope. It's the, it's the, the genius of the way God does things. The second one is to ask and seek and knock. And this is from Luke chapter 2, um, verses, um, verse 15. Um, and this is the story, this is the Christmas story. One of my favorite parts of the Christmas story. Because um, my family is uh, agricultural. My, my dad, my, my mom's dad was a, um, a cattleman, raised commercial cattle, which is not glamorous at all. Um, and... Uh, Unless you're like an eight-year-old kid, then it's like, you know, unbelievable that you get to, you know, poke cows and, you know, cut calves and, you know, and all of that. But it's just a hard life. It's really hard. And there's the margins of, of uh, profit are really slim in that. And, and that's what my grandfather did on, on my mom's side. On my dad's side, there were farmers, drove uh, combines, still do. The family still uh, in Louisiana still does um, the same thing. And uh, they're very practical people. You know, very hardworking people. Um, you know, my, my family has a great, great sense of humor, you know, um, that's born out of, you know, difficulty and, and, and hard, uh, hard times. These are the kind of guys that were out there watching their sheep. And God decided to reveal himself to those guys. There were thousands of Pharisees in Israel they would have known what they were looking at and would have, you know, and God was just like, ah, eh, I don't really, you know, want you guys to see this. I want these guys to see it. These unwashed, you know, non-religious, you know, like hard-headed, you know, practical guys. And the angel of the Lord stood before him and he says, fear not. First thing he said to him is fear not. And again, I don't think he was just saying, don't be afraid of me. He was saying, there's nothing to be afraid of. Fear not. Don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid of me. Don't be afraid of life. Don't be afraid of circumstances. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a child, which is Christ the Lord. He was telling him this is the Messiah. The Messiah is born in Bethlehem today. And then the angels went back to heaven. <laughs> now what? Well, now what is? The angels went away from them to heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known unto us. That was their decision. That was their, they, they mean, the, it was the, the, the angel didn't say, you go, or, or anything like that. It's like the angel appeared to them, they got this revelation, the angels go back to heaven, and now they're back with their sheep standing on this mountain. Now what? They said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go. Let's go and seek. Let's go and ask. Let's go and knock. Let's go and, and put it out there, put it on the line. Let's go and witness what we've heard about. We've heard about it. I want to see it. I want to see it. They went to see. But the Bible also says when they got there, they told their story. And Mary treasured up all of these things in her heart. They became a part of the story. They went to witness and they got to witness what they, what, what they had heard about. But they also got to tell their part of the story and they became a part of the Christmas story. So let me, let me just ask you a question. Looking forward to the year ahead and the years ahead. I mean, it's, not, it's probably not a good idea just to look at one year, but to look at the flow of the future. Look at, look at your life down the road. What, what, is, what is your life going to hold for you in the coming year? And if you're not a little bit afraid, then you're not getting it. Chances are, if you're not a little bit afraid of what you see the life is going to be or what you're hoping that life would be or what you're expecting life to be if you're not just a little bit nervous about it if it doesn't kind of hit you you know sweet and sour both then you're probably living in a comfort zone you probably got your whole life figured out and you're not expecting anything to turn it upside down and if that's the case you don't you're not going to turn aside to the burning bush and you're not going to go you're just going to take it on the angel's word that the savior was born and you'll just like i believe that that's awesome you know we'll see what happens but if you're if you're expecting something more if you're not just living in your comfort zone and if you are not just taking care of yourself and living a safe life then you're going to be a little bit nervous because you don't know what's going to happen but you're, you're expecting big things. Are you with me? That is one of the things that we have to have if we don't want to slip into the, like the Pharisees and they're just like, was Jesus you know, supposed to be born in Nazareth or he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem? You hadn't heard the Christmas story. <laughs> you, hadn't heard, you haven't been struck with the awe and wonder of God becoming a man and God with us. Oh God, deliver us. I heard a story of one guy uh, that uh, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and, um, uh, and he was just like bonkers, blown away. You know, he was just like so full of joy, so full of faith, so full of love for everybody. And a well-meaning older person pulled him aside and said, you know, this is all good, but, you know, in a short amount of time, you're going to be just like me. And he said he went out behind that church and he fell on his knees and he said, oh God, take me now. 
Because <laughs> he didn't want to be that, you know? It would be better to be dead than to have something that's so alive go dead on you. And to be dulled to the awe and wonder. We'd, uh, we had a, a meeting with our deacons and elders and spouses um, uh, last Monday, a week ago. A week ago Monday or two weeks ago Monday? A week ago Monday. And uh, one of the things that I was encouraging them to do, you know when I um, talk to kids um, about baptism, um, I talk to them about four things that they do to grow in their faith. And this is if you're 8 years old or 80 years old. If you get baptized, here's four things that you want to begin to do in your life. And then that way you won't have to look back on that day of baptism and say, I didn't even know what I was doing. What, what, you know, what did that mean? Or did it mean anything to me? Or did I know? If you start reading the Word, if you're old enough to, to, to be you know, a believer, you're old enough to start reading the Word for yourself. And spending time in the Word for yourself. And I always ask them, little kids or grown-ups, do you have a Bible? And then the next question is, do you read it? You know? That's one thing that we do. We pray. That's another thing that we do to grow in our faith. Prayer is just a conversation between you and God. It's just an ongoing, you know, sharing of your heart and listening to His heart and, you know, unburdening yourself and also taking on the burden of the Lord. It's just prayer. That's another thing. And then the, uh, the next one is fellowship. That's what we're doing right now. It's Christian friendship. It's being friends with people who have Jesus living in their heart. And that's why that's so important for us to do that. We're not supposed to do this alone. Anybody that's ever tried it, you know what I'm talking about. And then the fourth one is evangelism. And when we think about evangelism, a lot of times we think about, you know, Luis Palau or um, Billy Graham or something like that. And those guys are awesome, but they are not the end-all and be-all of evangelism. Evangelism is simply helping somebody take a step closer in. Just helping somebody take a, just a, you, put, you give them some encouragement to trust God again or to have hope in their lives again or to continue to do what God's called them to do or to take the plunge. Evangelism is just that. And I always ask little kids, um, do you know anybody at school that, you know, people don't, like or people he doesn't have very many friends or nobody you know was oh, will play with them or somebody that's you know really hurt or something like that and almost every little kid says yeah they do and what i suggest to them to do is to reach out to kids like that that works for grown-ups too by the way because like i said we are surrounded by stories we have no idea until we just take the step to reach out and to connect. And I encourage our deacons and elders to find a bro some broken people or just find somebody new that you don't know and build a relationship with them in the coming year. That's life, man. That's, that's life source to you. If you're a part of this congregation, it shouldn't take you long to, to be able to identify some people who are broken and hurt and, 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 uh, and, and could use just a word of encouragement or just a, you know, a, a strong hand on their back, you know? That's what we do to grow in our faith. The next one is to be steadfast and immovable. And my example for this is um, Simeon and Anna. Simeon was an old guy that was in the temple when uh, Jesus was brought in to be dedicated. He took him in his arms and it says that, that God had spoken to him that he would not die before he saw the salvation of the Lord. So to him that meant he was going to see 
the Messiah. If you read the descriptions of the Messiah, he probably thought he was waiting for somebody like, you know, Caesar Augustus to show up. Somebody mighty and strong and powerful. Um, who shall endure the day of his, his coming? You know, he's going to be like fuller's soap or refiner's fire. Like he's waiting there in the temple because he knows wherever this guy is, he's got to come through here. This is like the choke point where he's got to be. I, I, if I wait here long enough, I am going to see him. And then Mary and Joseph come in. Poor people, they couldn't even afford like a lamb for a sacrifice. They had just dove, little turtle doves. Um, and they come in with this baby, and he takes him in his arms, and he's like, oh, this is it, you know? And it's just this little baby, you know? Just a baby. And he prophesies over him, and he prophesies to his mother, and he says what, what she is going to experience and all of that. And then Anna was a prophetess, it says, and it gives the, her description. She was married for, I think, like seven years, and then she was a widow for like, 60 years or something like that. She'd been a widow for a long time. What I want to point out to you is the story of Simeon and Anna is not the story of old people. It's the story of young people who had something happen to them when they were kids that carried solidly through the rest of their lives and defined them. It didn't wear out. They didn't give up. They were persistent. They were, they were dependable. And they showed up over and over and over and over and over again. And every other day except that day had not fulfilled the promise. And yet they stayed. And yet they came. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding. Always abounding. Because you never know when that opportunity will come. You never know when you're going to become a part of the story that saves in your life and in other people's lives. Simeon and Anna, listen to me, they had, a, they had a heavenly sense of time. And I'm contrasting that to a worldly sense of time. Here's the way the world sees time, is it's all one big cycle. It's just over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I guarantee you, nature is like that. God has designed nature to be like that, but your life is not like that. It's a series of cycles, but it's not the same thing. Next year is not going to be 2019 again. And we are progressing toward a goal, a destination. The world has no concept of this. They just think that everything is just like it always has been, and it's just going to continue to be. And you're just part of some big cycle. But that is not true, man. You have a destiny. This world has a destiny. There is something coming that is closer now than it was yesterday, and tomorrow will be even closer. Maybe the way that I'm going to see Jesus is I'm going to close my eyes in death and I'm going to see him, but I'm going to see him. But maybe the way I see Jesus is when a shout goes up that shakes the earth and he appears in all his glory. Jesus wants us to live with that expectation. That's what, that's, the whole thing is about the expectation of the future. The expectation of what is to come, not looking back. Your best days are always before you because glory is before you. I don't care what kind of drudgery you're going through today. I don't care how many uh, failures or how little success you think you've seen. I don't care how many times the wheels have come off. 
There is a day coming that you are destined for. All going to make sense, and it's going to be the best day of your life, and it's going to be the beginning of the eternity that God has intended for you. Simeon and Anna had a sense of not that cycles and things are always the same, but that they were progressing toward a goal. They were progressing toward a destination, and we have to have that. We have to have that sense within us that there's something coming. And that what I'm doing today is preparing me for that. What I'm doing today is making me a part of that. And I'm not going to quit until I see him face to face. It's a lifestyle. It's the way I'm going to live. So let me ask you a question. Do you have a deep sense of mission in your life? Do you have like a deep sense that God, you are, can, can you agree with me this? You are uniquely created. There is nobody like you on the face of the earth, right? Thank God. One of you is enough, right? (laughs) But also, if you are created that way, there is also something that God has created you for. Do you have a deep sense of that? If you think you know all the particulars of it, you're fooling yourself. Because it, it it's unraveling and unveiling as you walk in obedience and as you, as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, as you stand on the mountaintop, as you go through these experiences, you're being changed over and over again into the image of Jesus Christ. But there is, you are uniquely made for something and you need to know what God has called you for, what you are, what you are here for, okay? So when you're looking forward, that's part of the whole thing. And, and here's the way that the calling of the Lord goes. He calls us, he equips us, but he also expects us to refine those gifts that he's given us. Right? Yeah, part of that is for me, to have my tools ready, to have myself ready. What if God came to you and said, I don't know what your favorite sport would be. I, I want you to be, you know, the new coach of the Dallas Cowboys. How about if that, if God came to you and he said, you're going to be the new coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Do you think that you're just going to show up in Jerry Jones's office and say, you know, here I am? Or do you think that you'd have to do a lot of study and a lot of preparation to not repeat the mistakes? <laughs> or that Jerry is going to tell you how to do all of this stuff, right? If God came to you and said, you're going to be in the next Olympics, I'm giving you the ability to run a four-second Uh, 40 yard dash all he's telling you is that's your top end i've given you the ability to do this you have to train to get up to that ability other people can train and they're only going to get to this but if you train if you apply yourself if you don't quit if you stick to it and if you believe in that your top end is way above anybody else are you with me And let me, let me close with, uh, with this. Well, actually, that's not my closing. That's close to it, but closing will be short. I, tr- I, I promise you. I'm looking at uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And the, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that the second chapter of Acts is where the dynamite hit. It's what God had been prophesying, telling them all along was going to happen. He promised the Messiah. What they weren't expecting is the church, the body of that Messiah, 
and what we were going to be and the, what the Spirit was going to be and all of that. And man, it just came like a storm. It came like a firestorm. It was an explosion that hit that nobody was expecting. Nobody was expecting this to happen. Jesus didn't even, like he, uh, he said, you go back to Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit comes. He didn't give them details. You're going you're gonna to have fire, tongues of fire in your head. You're going to be prophesying. There's going to be 5,000 people. Just like, you just go, you know. And when it hit, it was like, unlike anything that anybody had ever experienced on the face of the earth. And at the end of that chapter, it says this. It's not the, just the Holy Spirit's effect on the individuals, but it says this. They devoted themselves. This is as a result of that experience. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and, the, and prayers. It says they devoted themselves to that. There's a lot of people that talk about revival today, and a lot of it just like a bunch of gyrations. A lot of it look, just looks like it's just going to be easy. You know, it's just going to be, it's going to fall out of the sky. Oh, God, send revival. And God is like, okay, well, if you want it like they had it, then devote yourself, right? Are you, are you guys with me? You understand what I'm talking about? This whole cheap grace thing, this whole thing, like, like expecting it to fall out of the sky on us, it, it's not going to happen. If it could have happened before, it would have happened before. It's going to happen because there's going to be people who have more of, an, of a heavenly mindset than just an earthly mindset. People who they're not caught up in the cares of this world, but have set their heart and their mind on things above and devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Teaching and fellowship. Who puts those two things together? We think fellowship is just like hanging out and, you know, eating fried chicken. And fellowship is so much more than that. Christian friendship, where we're devoted to each other, where we love one another, where we speak truth into one another's lives. And to the breaking of bread and prayers. And listen, listen what happened. Awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the, the proceeds to all, any that had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. That's not just for that church, that first century church. That is the body of Christ. That's what he intends for us. And like I said, if you're looking forward to 2020 and you're not just a little bit afraid, then you're not believing for the stuff that he wants us to believe for. Our sights are set way too low if we're not. Because he wants to do mighty things in your life and in our lives as a congregation. It's not just an individual thing. It's, an in, it's, a, it's a corporate thing that's made up of individual things. And then finally, and I shared this with a family yesterday, yesterday um, but I, it, it just it resonates with my heart so much that this is what God has for all of us to experience. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, which is the very presence of God, the very presence of God. 
by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through the flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil, evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Stir one another up to a love and good works. And I don't care where you're coming from, a word of encouragement to somebody else doesn't mean that you have it all together, but it certainly can help them put it all together. And if you're faithful to give, if you're faithful to be a part of a group like that, if you're faithful to be a part of a group like that, a church body like that, a family of faith like that, you will benefit just as much as you give and more. Let us stir one another up to love good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's just pause for a minute, okay? If you're taking notes, you write yourself. Okay, what's one thing that God is speaking to you? One step of obedience. It may be something really big. I'm not dis discounting that. But chances are it's something that you could probably do this afternoon. A phone call, a message, a, t a time of prayer where you just, just fall before the Lord and devote yourself to spending some time with the Lord and seeking His, His presence. What is one thing that you can do today that will set the stage for what God wants to do in you and, and in us um, in the, as the year approaches? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Maybe something that you've struggled with. I'm just thinking that uh, maybe the Lord is prompting you to consider doing something that you haven't done before. Making something a part of your life or your lifestyle. Just taking Him at His word. Believing for something big. Thank you, Lord. We all want to live a comfortable, safe lifestyle, but that's not going to happen. I can tell you that. Regardless of what you choose to do today, your life moving forward is not going to be comfortable. And, and, your, and maybe by your definition of it, it's not going to be safe. It's going to threaten just everything that you experience and everything that you think you know about God in the world. He's going to shake it up. He shakes it up. He shakes it up. He will. Your life is going to be shaken up. Embrace it. Do like Moses did. Like, run to it. That's what David did with Goliath. He ran to Goliath. He wasn't waiting for Goliath to come. He chased him down. Pursue God with all your heart. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that you would give us a vision and an understanding of the call of, that's on each one of our lives that is going to take faith to accomplish. That we won't be able to do easily and we won't be able to do maintaining our own way of doing things, but that we will have to be remade into your image over and over and over again. I pray, Lord, for the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in each one of our lives that will be proof that you're working. Proof to us, proof to others secondarily, but mainly, Lord Jesus, as a, as a demonstration of the presence and the favor and the goodness of our Heavenly Father. Thank you for it, Lord. And finally, Lord, as I'm praying today, 
for all of us. I pray, Lord, that we would really take this charge to heart to reach out and establish relationships with the hurting, with the broken, with the discouraged, with the, with the difficult people, Lord, so that we can have God's grace flowing through us um, to them, so that we can see transformation in their lives and in our own lives. Thank you for it, Lord. We look forward with expectancy to what you're going to do in us and through us, Lord, in the, in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. You want to lead us in song? Stand to our feet this morning. Step on our hearts and respond to the Lord. And I say yes, Lord. I say yes, Lord. I say yes. My life is yours. When you call me, I'll come running. I'll say yes. My life is yours, and I say yes, Lord, I say yes, Lord, I say yes, my life is yours, and when you call me, I'll come running, I'll say yes, my life is On that day when I go home and see my Jesus seated on his throne, I'll find a crown upon my head, a thousand jewels for every yes I said, and I'll offer it right back to And I say yes, Lord, I say yes, Lord, I say yes, my life is yours. And when you call me, I'll come running, I'll say yes, my life is yours. And I say yes, Lord, I say yes. Say yes, my life is yours. And when you call me, I'll come running. I'll say yes, my life is going to ask you to pause for just a second just for a couple of minutes here and uh, we just want to pray for there's three families here that have uh, experienced um, the worst um, over the last few weeks and few months and I just want us to pray for them okay um, if you're nearby and you just want to put your hand on them and pray that's that's good you don't have to be right next to them to pray for them um, but let's just pause for a second and lift them up uh, to the Lord. That, uh, that the God who is the God of comfort, that uh, like Martha said, Lord, if you'd have been here, she was recognizing that 
ultimately this is in the hands of God and that God went a different direction than we were expecting to and that uh, that God who's the only one that can comfort the only one who can make sense that he would do what only he can do in their lives thank you Lord hallelujah we lift these precious families up to you and we pray Lord what the, what the enemy would use for evil what he would use to, to uh, divide and to uh, alienate and to uh, isolate Lord that you would use to draw into your body and draw your body into to them Lord Jesus that we would be drawn to the hurting spot Lord not run from it thank you for it Lord I pray, Lord Jesus, for the grace and the blessing of listening ears. People who will let people just say what needs to be said or should be said, even when it feels like it's uncomfortable, Lord, because healing is on the other side of those conversations. Thank you for it, Lord. And I pray, Lord, for divine appointments in the weeks and the months, even in the years uh, to come, Lord, um, for that text uh, that comes at the exact right time that number one lets them know that you still care and that you are still there for them, but that somebody else on the face of the earth remembers, Lord, and understands a little bit of what they're going through. Surround them, Lord Jesus, with people who are not so caught up in themselves that they can't hear and can't care, Lord, but that have grace to give, that are a fountain springing up to eternal life, an inexhaustible source of healing and blessing. And, uh, and encouragement. And I do pray, Lord Jesus, when the time is right, Lord, that the bones that you have broken, Lord, will be so fully healed that they will be strong enough, Lord, to bring encouragement and life to others, Lord. And if it's, uh, if it's years down the road, that they will be able to say, thank God he made some sense out of this. Thank God he took my ashes and made something beautiful out of them, Lord. To comfort and, and, and bless people, but also to bring glory to the only one who deserves glory. The one that we adore. The only one, Lord, that's worthy of it. The only one whose will will be done, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all remember uh, Christmas Eve service? We keep it to an hour. You can put it in your regular um, family, whatever your family is doing, you got people coming in from out of town, bring them so they can see uh, you in context here.